1: Andy Lou, a special guest today. Oh, oh. come on, my little goosebumps going. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, we got one of the managers of the GS Dub Reddit account and general prognosticator on Warriors Reddit, Eric. I don't know, what is your formal title? What should we call you?
2: Uh, so um, there's a few of us, like the, the title would be moderators. So like essentially community managers. Um, people familiar with Reddit's platform, it's like open source, right. discussion forum for anything, mm-hmm. everything. So there's a, a small group of us that volunteer our time, um, that moderate, just keeping the discussion on track, trying to make sure that things are all Warriors related, that like conversation doesn't get away from us.
1: Nice. And so for those of you who are on Twitter, he's one of the two people who runs the GS stub Reddit uh, Twitter handle, one of the better sources for just kind of keeping up to date on news and anything related to the team. And for those who don't know, Eric, um, has been known to be very active down in Santa Cruz. So he's kind of um, he's there. He's seen more of Wiseman and Clay than Andy and I have recently. I'll put it that way. So let's start, let's start there. Um, Steph broke the record Tuesday. That was pretty awesome. It felt kind of cool to just finally get beyond that. And the next big thing that's going to happen this season, knock on wood COVID not derailing this team for two weeks um, is Clay's return. So i want to start here. What are you guys like most excited about here with Clay's return
2: at this point? It's been a long time, man. A long, long time. I remember watching uh, when he got injured, how like, devastating that was. And then to be so close to making a return. Uh, I know you guys remember when the news came out that uh, he hurt his Achilles Dude, Andy, like- and I,
1: Andy and I were doing a live draft show on YouTube if you go re-watch it I look like I'm about to have like a mental breakdown because like we were getting texts about what happened to Clay and I'm like no
3: not the day not the day You're the like draft. can we we're cover this
2: in real time right it <laughs> <laughs> was actually
3: I, I was I was putting on a brave face but that was uh I was getting increasingly drunker uh really fast um because that was still like very much in the middle of, of shelter and place. So we were, yeah. we were just not doing anything. I was drinking more than I ever had. So good times, good times. So yeah, it was devastating, man. So yeah, I'm, I'm so
2: excited to watch this guy get back on the court. Uh, maybe I'm overly optimistic, but I, I think he's going to be who he was. I just, I just do. That's just what I believe.
1: Isn't that, that's what, so you were down in Santa Cruz and you're telling me you're talking to some coaches. Now, I don't want to blow your cover in any sort of capacity there, but it's consistent with everything Andy and I have heard, and it's pretty consistent with like the message the Warriors put out there publicly, whether it's like Anthony Slater talking or Kerr talking to the media. The um everyone keeps saying he looks like Clay. He looks like he yes, you would never sure. think he'd have an injury. And I to me, I mean look watching KD look essentially the same, you know, like it's not unprecedented for a guy, but it's still just wild. The dude hasn't played in over 900
2: days. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Uh, So the Santa Cruz scene was interesting. When we came in, the building is pretty like accessible to the public. It's not like behind gates, like chase center would be like, right. You literally are in downtown Santa Cruz. You can pull up to like metered parking 10 steps away from the front of the stadium and the front. The front door has all glass doors that you can see through and you can see to the court, like just if you're walking by, but they had kind of set up like some PVC framed stuff with black curtains hanging in front of it. So people couldn't just gawk it at the practice. They were trying to kind of keep a lid on it. I'm not exactly sure what that's about or like why, if it would just become a spectacle if it was so open, but even with it, as it was set up, like you could probably see like the corner of the court and players were running full 5v5 scrimmages. So um, when the practice ended, there was no guarantee of, like, media availability with players. Right. And they specifically said, like, hey, head coach, Seth Cooper will be taking questions. And they walked us in through a side door, and they kind of had, like, a ramp up to a bleacher section, which was, like, kind of great, like, gated off. And uh, players were still doing shoot-around. And, like, Clay, like, I think he hit, like, 10 or 15 threes in a row. like just stroking like his old self, like just looking good. Um, I could catch like from that corner of the court through the window as I was waiting for them to let us in. You could see that he was running, Um, but I didn't get like an in-person feel for full game speed. I didn't, I wasn't privy to like watching him torch guys on the court. I know Kevin Dana put out that clip of Clay hitting that three point game winner the second day of scrimmage. Um, but when I did sit down with, with Seth Cooper, the coach there, I did ask him, I said, Hey, you know, pretend for just a second that you don't know who Clay Thompson is. You don't know what he looks like. You don't know about the 37 point game or the titles. This is like a faceless guy that walked into the, into the gym today to play, not knowing what he's capable of. How would you express what kind of a Hooper this guy is? And he was just, he said, um. You know they were recreating five v fives, full full game speed. He said we had refs, we shot free throws, played four quarters, we coached the two different squads. He said I somehow ended up coaching the team that didn't have Clay Thompson on it. Unfortunately for me, is what he said. And he said in a, I had to call a timeout at about the three point or the, sorry the three minute mark of the first quarter and pulled the guys together and said, hey, I don't know if you guys saw the scouting report, but this number eleven like he doesn't fucking miss like he's hit four yeah. three-pointers in a row like yeah. um and he just said his release is so fast he he specifically mentioned and you can see the video clip on we, we did throw it up on twitter that there was a like um there was a play axel Tupin has played a pro and overseas he said the two of them were on the same team and there's one play specifically where Clay kicked a, like a bullet pass out to Axel and immediately broke to the corner and the speed in which the pass got shot right back to Clay and he pulled up for three was just a game. Sp- it was like, it was an M- an NBA game speed. Like there's I, certain, I, there's certain guys you see where you just know that's an NBA Hooper, like yeah. un, undeniably. And he's like, I, and that absolutely is there. He, like he
3: looks, I really think cool. last year with him, with him coming back from his ACL, we did also hear like he looked like he was pre-ACL too, um, which was around the time that he, then he tore his Achilles. So, you know, who knows? But like, that's the crazy part, right, about Clay Thompson. And part of me is, is not too scared of him being scared of being injured. Like I think of Gordon Hayward, who right now looks fantastic. A couple of years removed from just snapping his leg in half. By the yeah. way, we got breaking news uh, from Anthony Slater. Uh, Clay Thompson is not going to be back December 20th or 23rd. Uh, He's obviously not going to be coming back on Christmas during Phoenix. So the earliest he will come back is, and I think this is going to be the date uh, December 28th at home against Philly. So 12 days away from the next date that clay Thompson could come back against Denver. Wow. Samuel, I am sorry. I thought, why (laughs) did I think it was Philly Uh, uh, against Denver, uh, which is, you know, a decent landing spot. Denver's got their whole team injured. So
1: Um,
3: I was hoping it would be Sacramento because that would be a decent landing spot. Um, but I think, you know, 12 more days, we got to wait right. Till Clay Thompson comes back, which I think the closer we got to the date, the more it became obvious, like, yeah, he's probably not going to be back in four days guys. Yeah. Cause I think like, if that were the case, I think you would have heard a little bit more, just more rumblings that he comes back, but, um, just him bringing up conditioning, I think is, uh, as the big thing makes sense. Like you, you said, Eric, like he's been out for so long that the more time he has just scrimmaging is going to be better for him. Uh, rather than throwing him into the, the deep waters playing against NBA players.
1: And I and I yeah. think,
3: um, and by the way, Slater's saying
1: the earliest he'll be back now is the 28th of December. So it could even be after that. I'm looking could at the be sketch. March. Uh, <laughs> could be, uh, let's let's, let's not get crazy. So they play um, they play uh, back to, well, not back to back, but they play in Denver and in Utah on the 30th and 1st. We know his returns could be at home. So it's possible if he doesn't play on that 28th, game it could be the third against Miami could be the oh they hit a road trip right after that could be the ninth against the dare we say, contending Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> oh, why? You, um, I, I mean, was wondering,
3: why are you smiling right now? <laughs> I don't know. I was
1: just like, okay, sorry. I need to, anyway. By the way, uh, they, they are contenders. They are contenders, by the way. But anyway, keep going. By the way, shout out Evan Mobley. I was told Biggs took longer, but you know, that's a different discussion. <laughs> um, all right, all right. Yeah, sorry. That, that was impromptu and unfair. Anyway, the point is we're getting close, <laughs> but it's not going to be next week. Um, uh, I think it's, uh, I think the other factor in this is they're 23 and five. If they were uh, if they were 13 and 15, if they look like the Lakers, um, there might be a little pressure to get clay out there, even if it's for 15 minutes a night, uh, because they need wins and 15 minutes of clay is better than zero minutes of clay. Right. But I think the fact that they've had such a hot start to the season kind of allows them to ramp it up. I thought clay was going to come back playing 15 minutes a game they might want to get his conditioning to a point where maybe he could play 25
3: you're, minutes. a game. You're right. Yeah. You're right. He, he's not going to come back, come back playing eight minutes a half. I just realized that, right. Mm-hmm. He's probably, and, and Clay has mentioned this. He's probably going to want, want to come back and play closer to 25. Yeah. He'll want to play more than that.
1: Six minutes mm-hmm. a quarter. I mean, that would be, that would be phenomenal if he could get, if he could do. Wow. 24 minutes a game off the bat, because the, ramp I think up that's realistic. That, the yeah. ramp-up from that to, like, 35, which is, you know, fully mm. healthy pre-injury clay, yep. it's not that. It's th- th- maybe, maybe a month, maybe a couple months, something yeah. like that. I mean, so it's, I, it's... I had
2: a phone call um, last week with Dr. Nirav Pandya. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Shout, out yeah. He's Shout out to the show. He does some uh, coverage with 95.7, the game. So I gave him a call. He was really generous with his time. Um, as I told you guys before we started recording, I work in the hospital. I'm a nurse, so we, we kind of chopped it up with some, some medical questions. The thing that's really interesting about a return from injury like Clay is that at this point, structurally, he's back to normal. There is no weakness that we're waiting to strengthen up where the injury took place. The whole of it is making sure his conditioning is right because the speed and explosiveness with which NBA players play with he needs to be at a point where all of the surrounding muscle structures are strong enough to support that load, because the risk is that he will push himself to do these maneuvers in extended minutes that he's used to doing, and he will use the wrong muscle groups to achieve those goals and results, which will put stress on the area,
1: yeah. So- and 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 we've had we've had him on the show and 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 I mean, that, that's the reality of it. It's like it's not his ability to do Clay Thompson things. It's his ability to, Repetitively do them. Yeah. Do them in an NBA game for over 20 minutes to do them two times in three days. Yeah. I, I don't think I think it's the Warriors have all but said like don't expect him to play in back to backs this year. Yeah. And 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 that's fine. They they only have like a half dozen remaining in the season or something. Yeah. They, the NBA's done a good job of getting rid of those. So it's like it's not that big a deal. Um and in the playoffs, there's none, but it's like it it's it's just about getting clay so he can um he can be clay on a consistent basis. Cause we know he'll
2: always be able to have the one-off game yeah. where he'll be able to do it. It's going to be really frustrating for clay and for fans that don't understand. Cause there will not be a situation in which clay comes out of the game because he feels fatigued. That won't exist. They will not allow him to get to that point. So any time in which clay gets subbed out, he will feel like he has more in the tank and he will be right because they won't let him drain it out. So it's going to be hard because he's going to be looking like clay and maybe there will be game situations where we need him and he's going to get pulled. And that's important um, for the longevity of his health and career. So I want
1: to, Yeah. I want to take this to the basketball side. So we can, we'd start here. So recently the Warriors have been struggling on offense. A decent chunk of that is Steph's just missing shots that Steph makes like the weirdest thing about Steph is like people are like, Oh, we played great defense on him. It's like, yeah, but, he makes that shot against great defense, you know, it's like, it's, it's impossible to diagnose how much of it's the defense and how much of it's just Steph not having a good night. Uh, But with that said, so I thought this was an interesting number since that eight game homestand ended and they went on the road and their schedule got kind of more normal NBA, you know, a few games at home, a few games on the road, um, that sort of thing. They've been 12 and four, which is excellent. Uh, But their offense went from top in the league to ninth in the league over that span, which to me is probably more realistic for who they are without Clay Thompson which is a good offense but you know not one that can't run into issues against the best defenses How, do you think clay alone will solve the issues they're having on offense like the, the issues we saw against Philly like against Philly they just couldn't score the issues we saw against Phoenix I, where you know they they had tr-
3: those type of issues i'm not talking about like against yeah. the sacramento kings by, by the way, Philly celebrating that they locked up or they didn't allow Steph to break the record on their home court, relax. Like you guys are frauds every year. Go go, like go beat the Hawks. <laughs> the fuck are we doing? That's, here? That's Chris, um, I think
1: it, that's Chris Paul and Daryl Morey like celebrating that
3: they won yeah. the title on opening night. Yeah. <laughs> like relax, you're the Sixers. You couldn't beat Kevin Herter last season. Like shut up. Um, I will say, I think it. I think Clay does solve the offense to in a, at a realistic level, right? Like I know we've talked a lot about what they need in terms of they need someone that can play make and get to the hole. There's nobody out there for them to, to do that in my opinion, unless they trade make trades for guys that you know, we talked about, that we're going to talk about on this, Paul Wiseman, Kaminga, etc. But they're not going to do that. So on a realistic level, I think Clay Thompson helps them to get to a point where they can contend. Because a lot of the things right now, outside of just Steph not making open threes, is JTA doesn't shoot, right? GP2 doesn't play enough, even though he can shoot kind of well. Draymond doesn't shoot. Kevon Looney, we know. Jordan Poole is so up and down <laughs> with open shots. So it's like, at-, at some point, you just need a guy who can make threes. And Clay Thompson is the the prototype three and d guy, obviously. he's and someone who and someone, three, who, uh,
1: and someone who opposing teams are going to guard like he's a star. like Wiggins, I think Wiggins shot is real. I think he's put in a lot of work. And if it's a catch and shoot, he's a he's a great catch and shoot shooter. He's like he's as good as he can get outside of the uh, you know, like the elite shooter category, like the staff, the clays, the even the you know, buddy heels, guys like that who are like shooter shooters. um defenses still aren't going to guard wiggins' three point shot like he's a superstar. They're going to guard clay because they know he's he'll, he'll shoot 20 of them and he, he'll make 14 of them. Like he's if you don't guard him tight, he will absolutely try to go for for 60. He's done it, you know? Whereas like wiggins can you could you see wiggins making 10 or 12 threes in a game? It's not a shot at him. There's only like five guys in the NBA who I think could even do that. Right. Um, oh. And and I think that's the difference. It's like clay gets the defensive attention that superstars get. Um, he gets like proper second option on a contender attention because teams are terrified of his scoring ability and Wiggins and Jordan pool. Don't get that type of attention. They're like, they fit in perfectly as like third, third options playing off of two guys who you have who can do that.
2: It's interesting though cuz how much easier is it going to get for Andrew Wiggins when Clay comes back into the fold and Jordan Poole as well like the spacing like we've seen Wiggins Wiggins will knock down open shots like like a catch and shoot a catch and shoot guy like Clay Thompson might make this guy a lot of money by improving him statistically like I'm I'm kind of in the camp where I feel like Andrew Wiggins um is worth more to the Warriors than to any other team like cuz of Spacing that they are able to provide him. I think that, like other teams, that like because there's a lot of talk about like where does Wiggins go ultimately, right? Right. Um, I think statistically, (laughs) it's not to say his numbers will be inflated because he will actually achieve over a good sample size the things that he does while in Golden State. But, um, I do not think that he would be able to replicate the same numbers he's going to put up while in Golden State in other systems, at
3: least efficiently as well. Yeah, yeah, for
2: sure. Um, Perks, who's the other one of our other moderators at uh on Warriors Reddit, he put up some interesting tweets yesterday. You can see looking at like best play types by points per possession uh through 28 right. games. Like the Kavon Looney, like cherry pick is like the the best, statistically the best play that the Warriors have, like uh Looney in transition. And he's gotten like really good at realizing when he is not being guarded and breaking to the basket. I mean, that's the smallest um. We can, um, like ramp that down too. Like, he's not going to be that open all the time. Um, but it's interesting to see like Gary Payton cuts and Damian yeah. Lee cuts are like that's kind
3: of a problem when those are your three most efficient scoring 100%. Plays. Yep, yep. I that's what I'm so excited for. It looks like we can now I gotta wait t- 12 days or so. So, um, did we want to let's let's get your thoughts on Wiseman before we get you out of here? Um, yeah. Eric, because I think that's you know another. Another big topic for Warriors fans that, you know, I, I don't know if he swings a championship or not, but, you know, the, the kid is he's, 19, he's young, and he's, you know, he's trying to get healthy. So he's an and important, a, you, yeah, he's an important yeah. piece for the team, whether it's uh, this year, next year, in a trade, no matter what, he's, he's important. We also yeah. haven't heard from him, right? Sam, like yeah. in so long, we talk about Wiseman, mm-hmm. but we, we just, we don't know anything about him. All
1: we know is that Clay is going to probably return before him. That's that's about it. That's so, but I, really, I don't. It doesn't a, seem like his return will be too far after Clay. Like if Clay comes yeah, back the twenty eighth, maybe we see Wiseman. You know, the middle of January type of thing. So either yeah, way, it's, yeah. it's also you know, it's it's coming. It's coming quickly.
2: I think that uh, one of the big issues that we saw with James Wiseman last year was his spacing on the floor. That's where I felt like his struggles were the greatest. There was a lot of talk about like steps plus minus being negatively affected in minutes shared with James Wiseman on the floor. Um, And the eyeball test for me watching is I found what was the hardest was that he kept finding himself in the wrong place on the court. So I'm hopeful that a lot of this can be resolved even in minutes spent not playing basketball. Like obviously there's a visceral feel he's going to have to go through in order to just find himself in the right spots. But I'm hoping that there's opportunity for him to be studying this um, from the sideline, from the bench. Seeing where Looney is, or maybe more importantly, where Looney is not, when Steph is coming in, um, I think some of that was exemplified by him sharing the floor with Kelly Oubre as well. Like those were two players that found themselves in the wrong place frequently, and that was that was a big a big challenge. Yeah, uh, I think spacing spacing is going to be huge. If he can figure that out, I think the league's going to have a problem with James Wiseman.
1: I also think uh, the other thing is is IQ. Um, he's not a playmaker. Yeah. Um, he could be a, a very effective play finisher and putting him in lineups, um, that don't involve Oubre, Wiggins and Bazemore at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, could help because I would consider none of those players decision makers. You know, I'm out there with, uh, Iguodala, um, Juan Toscano, uh, Draymond, obviously, uh, although I think they're going to put him in the second unit away from Draymond for now um Otto Porter's high key player a lot of these guys Jordan Poole a lot of the stuff it allows him to be the guy who finishes the plays instead of I mean they would work it into him like he was Bogut and I don't know if he'll ever be that kind of guy like he hasn't displayed a passing feel at any level and that's fine not every not every player is meant to be a playmaker but like he,
2: he it's a it's a terrible situation for him to be in I think that who James Wiseman sees himself becoming ultimately, and who the Warriors need him to be now to win a title, may not be the same person.
3: And who I do think, you think uh, he sees himself? I love, love that. Yeah, I like. And that I think point. that
2: that's a challenge. I think that's a big challenge. And there was a there was one play last year. I can't remember which game it was specifically, where um, Wiseman caught the ball off the baseline, maybe like ten to fifteen feet out from the hoop, and he went face up with his defender. And like tried to put a dribble on him, and like threw his legs a few times and turned the ball over, and it was just this moment where I just felt like this is who this dude thinks he is. Like, nah, he it, thinks he is more Kevin Durant
3: than <laughs> uh, than KG, or like we need and, more KG and less KD. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, KG had a little off the and and I, I'm with you. I agree. I, I also there. Yeah.
1: yeah, I also yeah, think definitely. nobody.
3: Nobody at that size, though, wants to be Rudy Gobert. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of can't blame him. I kind of put that at the feet of the coaching staff last season. And I think things have changed. Like, I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. Um, And I think Wiseman's going to be someone that's receptive to that. At least you'd hope so. Right. And maybe he becomes that player. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. But you know, I, I think part of what it is, is like, man, when you're a kid and you're that big and you're used to dominating people like that, of yeah. course, you're going to try to do that if you have your way. You know what I mean? I can't imagine the stuff that I did would do if I were uh, if I were as big as Wiseman in the league. So, you know, hopefully hopefully he just gets healthy here. And, uh, hey, man, if if he plays a Santa Cruz game, I know you're going to be there. So we're going to need you to lead the pod when that happens, Perfect. Eric. Um, <laughs> but, man, I, I, we appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you, Eric.
1: Thanks, to Eric from GSW Reddit for joining us. Um, let, let's talk a little more Wiseman because I feel like his point it was super interesting about like Wiseman sees himself as like KD and the Warriors don't. Um,
3: do, you in, do you think? Nobody does.
1: Do you think internally that the Warriors have differing opinions on him? Because we know we know Joe Joey Lightyears sees Giannis. You know, like, I mean, Um, friend of the show, TK lets us know every time they're not trading him unless they're getting a superstar in return for him. And, you know, Tim's, Tim's good at what he does. He's not saying that if he's not hearing it on repeat from Joe, you know, like, yeah. you, do you think yeah. he's making that up? Like, come on, you yeah. know, like, yeah, yeah you know. I don't, I don't think he, I don't think he cares either way. I think he's just relaying the information he's getting internally and he, he doesn't even hide it. He's like, we hear it all the time internally. you know? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure they don't agree on it, uh, but I, I'd also hope that they don't agree on it. Right. Like I, I think part of what makes them successful in the past is that they didn't agree on the Kevin Love trade and they had to make a decision. And when the decision was made, they made the right one, right? So, you know, whatever it is with Wiseman, I'm sure Kirk thinks differently than Joe, and Steve Kerr thinks differently. You know, I think about Steve Kerr, like, maybe he loved Wiseman. It seems like he loved Wiseman before last season, and I think he still loves I think Wiseman. I he definitely I likes think- Wiseman the, the person. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, maybe watching him, Steve Kerr, it's not like he dislikes him or anything like that. I think Steve Kerr probably thinks to himself, like, hey, like, Maybe I should have done a better job of putting him in the right situation. And Steve has said it. So you and I aren't making this shit up. We're not just coming on here and saying like, oh, Steve, Steve is now doing this because of that. It's like Steve has said like, hey, we need to put Wiseman yeah, in a better situation.
1: Man. 90% of the reason last year's pods took a negative tone was because it was painfully obvious. They were just like they were sending him to the wolves with no instruction
3: in any capacity. And it's not Wiseman's fault. Unless you're LeBron James or Kevin Durant, you're not allowed to be sent to the walls doing whatever you want. Those guys can eat the wolves. More mm-hmm. often than not, you're going to get eaten. Right. And that's, that's Wiseman, particularly it's because he's, yeah. particularly for those guys, 19 years old, like we were never blaming them. And so the, now it's a matter of like, number one, get healthy. It sounds like, you know, Eric was saying, and you're saying, like it's maybe going to be January. Good. Just come back when you're ready to play. And, and they do kind of need his, his athleticism out there. Right. They do. They do need that length and rebounding a little bit. At least they could use ten minutes of that every game. Do you think Steve? What do you think Steve thinks of him as a player? I think Steve has learned to temper the expectations. Steve at the beginning of last season probably thought, "Shit, maybe we have like a next, yeah, you know, type." The David Robinson comps. I was like, "Yeah, relax." <laughs> right. I think now Steve is saying, "Sure, he can get the David Robinson, absolutely." But right now. Let's get him to be JaVale McGee. And yeah. that's completely fair. Completely fair. Well, that's why the Aiton stuff comes up, right? Don't you think that's why the, the Wiseman-Aiton comparisons come up, even though they're like different style players? Like, that's why it comes up. Aiton's not out here. Because Aiton's a superstar
1: in a small role. Like, he's yeah. maybe the best player in the NBA at that specific role. Uh, and he can do more things. He averaged more points before CP3 got there and used to do a lot of creation, but they started winning when they simplified his role and just let him be kind of the guy who feasted on pick and rolls. Right. And, and feasted defensively. So it's like, I think, I think it's interesting because when you think about Steve Kerr players, what do you, what do you think of? Well, you know, yeah. I mean, it's guys that I like. Passing ability, aggressive. I think of Draymond Green, honestly, like he likes guys who, think the game or great passers and get physical with you and rebound. And what did Wiseman do last year? I mean, he's not a passer. He's his feel is very raw and I don't think he was a particularly good rebounder either, I think he was kind of soft on the glass. Now that, that one I think can change. I think that one's the easiest one to change. He just has to play more aggressive. Um, But the passing stuff, I don't think that's ever coming around for him in that capacity. And I think that'll be He's interesting.
3: Passing shit comes, comes easy to a real Hooper like this. <laughs> I, 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 could, I, I couldn't resist. Sorry. Dude, in the middle of saying it, I'm like, God, I just walked into that. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be interesting
1: because I I do think you're right. I think Steve envisions him being JaVale. And if he, if he exceeds at that, then they'll start expanding it. Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's this Warriors fan. Expectation or just general kind of lament that he's not LaMelo Ball. And my thing is just like, look, man, it's it's done, right? It's done. The team is 25 and four. And it's done. Like you've got this guy, and he could be very, very, very good. Um, but I think the lament that he's not that person is, you know, it, it's painful, but I think at the end of the day, um, also a lot of people in the front office, you know, kind of had differing takes about that. We'll never know. We will never, ever, ever know. But um, I just want him to come back. I am looking forward to the way that I think Steve Kerr's coaching staff is going to utilize Wiseman. I'm with you. Um, I don't think there's going to be any type of, uh, dribble, dribble ISO stuff this season. Um, and he could be like a Kaminga too, right? Cause let, we talk about Kaminga all day. Like Kaminga is so athletic that he changes a game in one play. Like Wiseman could be like that person. He can just change a game with one play. Um, we'll just have to see. Yeah, um
1: it's gonna be interesting. I, I still think it's gonna take him a lot of time. I'm I'm just so curious to see how they uh how they use him when he comes back. I mean, it seems to me that I mean Steve has all but said he's not starting. We want him to do stuff in a small hmm. defined role, which I mean, let's be real, look at other top picks. LaMelo is a superstar. Anthony Edwards looks like a star score in the making. If you want to go to this draft, Jalen green looks awful. Kate is starting to come around. Evan Mobley. I I kind of was being facetious there because I've never seen a young big man have the type of feel he has. Like that's an unrealistic. Uh, Yeah. He's special. Yeah. That's that's like, uh, um, you just don't see that very often. Like he plays like a complete veteran. Um, I don't know where James Wiseman fits into all that. Uh, He's, physically more impressive than all of them like there's no way around that but you know he's he's got to be able to give him something more
3: than just 10 to 15 minutes a game off the bench at by the end of the season right you think so you think i I, look slater it feels like slater brings it up every podcast about the general kind of uh musings or i guess like i I guess there's a little bit of apprehension around that right because the team is so good that that's kind of the only thing i think that is worrisome is where James Wiseman is. And part of it is just he's not able to play I basketball out there.
1: I guess it's the juxtaposition but, of how can a guy be untouchable when he also can't get more than 10 to 15 minutes a game,
3: you know? But how can you trade him if he's not playing? Because then well, who would I, want that?
1: Well, yes, there's zero reason to trade him until we see him for an extended period of time,
3: period. You're, like, you're more worried about the way that they view him, is what you're saying, in terms of untouchability.
1: Yeah, it's it's just confusing to me because, look, if he was – if the Warriors had Evan Mobley, he would play 25 minutes a game. He would would start over Looney. Like, I'm sorry, he would. Um, So don't tell me it's like young players can't play on this team. If they had LaMelo Ball, he'd be playing 25-plus minutes a game and they'd still be winning. Like, these are (laughs) – Those guys are generational. But that's the point I'm getting at, which is – Yeah, you can't come out here and be like, view him as a once in a generation prospect, and then he can't get on the floor at the level you need him to because actual once in a generation prospects can get on the floor. Like, would LaMelo get the freedom he gets in Golden State? Of course not. That's not happening. They're too good. He would be playing probably Jordan
3: Poole's role, but he'd be doing it better, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. But I also think part of that is like, man, if he was healthy for the beginning of the season, like he may be the starter right now. You know what I mean? Like if he was healthy now in the beginning of last season, they go 15 and five without him in the starting lineup. And also without Kelly Oubre, let's like, like, like GSW Reddit was saying, like it wasn't Wiseman all Wiseman. It was Kelly Oubre too. And, and those guys. So, you know, maybe, maybe if he had started healthy dude training camp in the off season, like he would be starting right now in Looney's role. Like I could see that happening, but your point still stands. I think like, I, I agree that I don't think he's a generational player, but also like, I'm willing to say like, He's just not out there playing basketball, and that's just the toughest part with with this entire situation. And now they're kind of st- they're not stuck. Well, I feel like we're coming at this kind of pessimistic when the team is this yeah. good. Um, but at, at the end of the day, this is really the only thing. Like Wiseman coming and being good versus them not being good this season, I don't think decides the, the championship. I don't no, it think it, like they they can win this champ this year and this championship without only, Wiseman ever touching it. For
1: it only does if you think they don't have enough, in which case he is your avenue to adding more, be it internally improving or being
3: a trade chip. Yeah. So where I think, I think that they're good enough to win with him just sitting or not making an impact. That's where I stand. You think if Clay is, if Clay is healthy, they got enough. If Clay is healthy, they got enough, or they get someone off the buyout market and cut like Bielitsa or something, right? Or cut Gary or cut Damian Lee. Sure. Like, I think that's enough to win a championship. Barring, I don't know, maybe Kyrie Kyrie comes back and looks incredible, which you know at this point, like who knows? But like I think that they have yeah. enough, which is he says a lot about Steph and Draymond, right? And
1: and and Clay. So maybe I'm just a maybe I'm just a skeptic, I'm a warrior. I just
3: feel like they need a little more. Um but you know, well, we'll I think we've it. we've we've seen this team a lot. I think from from thinking about it from your angle, I think you've seen seen this team play with this core for a long time, and uh, we've also seen KD play with this core, and that's automatic championship. And I think my point is like, they get Clay back, they have a chance of winning a championship. It's not automatic, but I think- Right, I maybe, I'm, think holding,
1: maybe I'm holding them to too high a standard because I saw base, basically basketball Nirvana with KD. Like <laughs> what they did <laughs> in like get 16, 17 is like a level of contention that no one else gets to. You. So you're right. Yeah. I mean, I we're going to get both Clay and Wiseman back in the next month. And it's going to be exciting. And like, yep. whether you got like a optimistic or pessimistic view, like we're going to learn a lot about this team when those two come back and that's going to be cool. All right. Appreciate you guys.